This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. All right, Kenny. Got our first code word in. Listen for your next opportunity coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. And we've also got some uh, some tickets to give away. So why don't we give away the 67s tickets when we get closer to our interview with the general manager of the 67s, James Boyd, which is coming up later this hour just before noon. We also have Sens Flyers tickets, another four-pack up for grabs for the game coming up on the 30th at Canadian Tire Centre. Uh, if you want to uh, take in uh, 67s hockey or Senators hockey, you know where to get them. Hit Ticketmaster.ca and uh, be listening later on. We'll have uh, two four-packs to give away, one for junior hockey, one for NHL hockey. Speaking of junior hockey, Caleb's got a random question for Kenny. We like random questions, especially for Kenny. My buddy went to a battalion game last night and was really impressed with Kyle McDonald. Since his training camp, have any update on his game, Kenny? Comes from Caleb, and Kyle McDonald was at the Sens rookie camp. Kenny, update for Caleb? Yeah, I like the random questions because uh, there's a lot of randomness to what I like. And Kyle McDonald, he is a big body, an Ottawa kid, uh, 6'4", close to 220 playing weight, and moves around okay. There's not, It's not fleet of foot, I'll say that, but he gets from point A to point B in a decent amount of time. Uh, offensively, he's been very good. He's got a great shot, 28 goals in 38 games. Uh, I don't know how good the vision is. Uh, he he plays a straight-line game, can be big, can be physical, uh, but not taking himself out of position. He missed close to two months of the season uh, in November to January, I believe it was. And I had heard that there was a fairly significant injury over that time. Uh, thankfully, he's been able to come back and continue some pretty good play as of late on a very good battalion team who uh, still has an outside chance of catching the Ottawa 67s for the top spot in the Eastern Conference. But Ottawa, the magic number is down to seven points for Ottawa, so it's unlikely to happen with eight games remaining. But as far as Kyle McDonald is concerned, I really like the player. I don't know where his pro potential lays. Uh, I could see him being a solid AHL player for a couple of years and then potentially going off to overseas or U sports. Maybe he goes the other way around, does U sports first, and then goes to professional hockey. But I do think he could play pro hockey. I just don't know if he would has the potential to get out of the AHL. Thank you, Caleb. Asked and answered. Um, all right. Only three games in the NHL last night. It's always light on Wednesdays as the NHL has carved out Wednesdays as their national night. So they want some focal point games. Well, um, this is an interesting game for many reasons. So the Minnesota Wild extended their point streak to 11 games. The Wild are hot. Is hot? Wild? Hot? Anyways, 9-0-2 oh, over those 11 games. And this is the other part of the, they beat the Jets. Who's not beating the Jets? 4-2. Fleury made 46 saves. So they're getting great goaltending, whether it's Fleury or Gus. Huge part of the success with the uh, with the Wild. But during that game, Logan Stanley, who is a big man on the Jets' blue line, 
He's one of the biggest players in the NHL. He fell. He was kind of over top trying to check Kaprizov. And because of his stature, he's just so much. He's he's pretty much hovering over Kaprizov. And then he just let his weight. He let gravity take its course. And he, he just, all right, I'm over top of you. I'm just going to, I'm falling down on top of you. Kaprizov man, goes down, and his legs make a wish. And it just did not look good at all. Left the game, did not return, no update. Yikes. This is one of the most dynamic players in the world. Minnesota Wild, they're, really, they're, they're a cool story for me, Kenny, because... We know about the buyouts, and they don't have the cap space of other teams, and they made that decision. They play a really good team game, but kind of, to me, it all works because of how good of a player Kaprizov is. You've got a superstar at the at the top of your lineup, and if you lose him, this is this is not good news for the Minnesota Wild. So the play, if people have not seen it, it's it makes you go ooh. And I brought this up when I saw it last night and I threw it up on Twitter. It reminded me immediately of a game where a lot went on in that game. We we used to have the the mega party suites pre-pandemic. Yeah, I thought we were there for that. We were there for that. Pretty much all of us from the station were there. We filled up a 400-level, one of those big suites, right? We had pizza, a couple beers, hanging with uh, the listeners and Sens fans. One of those nights, right? Places, The place was packed. I think it was a sellout that night. It was when the club had first come back from Sweden in November where they went over and they beat the Avalanche in both games in Matt Duchesne's debut as a Sens in those games. And so this game coming back, taking on the Penguins at home, was Duchesne's Ottawa debut. So there was a buzz in the building for that, right? After that trade had been made. And during that game, it's down um, in and around the goal, and Malkin is battling a bit with Chris Weidman. Malkin's a much bigger man than Chris Weidman. Same thing. He's kind of over top of him, and then all of a sudden, I'm just going to fall on you. And Weidman went down in a similar fashion to Kaprizov last night and with the legs splaying out like that. And Weidman's hamstring came off the bone. He managed to get off the ice. And I remember we uh, we interviewed him at some point after that. And Chris Weidman's always been a really good guy to talk to. Good interview. Um, when I've done shows with Meth, he's come on. Lots of fun. He was very candid about it. He says he didn't realize how bad a shape that he was in. Because he, tra- he he tried to drive home, he said, and he, oh, I I can't, the leg won't work. He didn't he didn't realize how bad it was. So, anyways, hopefully it's not that severe. Because if it is, Kaprizov season's done. That 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 would be a major major blow to the Minnesota Wild, Kenny, if he is out of the lineup. So, what did, what did you think of the play with Stanley? To me, it's. It's not like, okay, wow, what an overtly dirty play. It's kind of sneaky, though. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. I No, I didn't have a problem with the play. I, I think that he's just going at it. Uh, I'll, I'll take another look at it, but I didn't 
Honestly, I didn't have a, a look at it. Yeah, he falls down on top of him. Uh, maybe a little sneaky dirty. He does know what he's doing, but in most situations, you don't get a result like that. I, I don't have a massive problem with the way that Logan Stanley uh, played that. As, as I think we've discussed on the radio a few times, I'm not the biggest Logan Stanley fan, but in this case, uh, as he goes over top of a smaller player still trying to get to that puck and uh, just a real unfortunate scenario, and you do hope for the best for Kaprizov. And remind me again of the Weidman. Did he he got off the ice on his own, or was he helped off the ice? He he needed a little bit of help, but they didn't have to bring out a stretcher or anything. Okay, like he, so he gets off the ice, and he was in a lot of pain. Obviously, he's out for the game. He didn't play the rest of the game. Yeah, but I, I he I remember he was so candid. It was weeks after this when he when he spoke about it. He said he didn't. He didn't realize just how bad he was until, like, he thought he could, and he ended up having to like drive home with the other foot, kind of thing in the car. And it was just, and he said, oh, "Man," he said he got halfway there. Maybe I shouldn't. I had no idea how bad it was. And then the next morning was just a nightmare. And they said, "Oh boy, we're we're in big trouble. More testing." He said, "Yeah, that's." Uh, and I remember he got very descriptive on the air with us about, and it's like, "Okay, that's enough." That's enough, uh, Chris. Yep, we we know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's not that's not good. So hopefully it's not nearly like that. But it was a, it was a similar look of a big man falling on a shorter guy, and the legs you just can't take the weight. Who can right? And the legs just go out, and you make the splits, and that's uh, that looked very painful, Kenny. It really did, and and I. Th- you hope that because he was able to not pop back up, but he was able to uh, establish some stability yeah. getting back to the ice, that you hope that it's not worst-case scenario and that maybe he misses uh, a few weeks and it's not season-ending because, yeah, Minnesota would be in a, a boatload of trouble. I love the way they've constructed their team. They've got a bunch of personalities on that team, a bunch of characters uh, I know Jake Middleton from his time with the Ottawa 67s and, and the, the character that he shows, uh, never having a shirt on for interviews, the mustache, the missing teeth, uh, that's just him. And he's he's able to be himself around that team and, and they're just loving life right now and they're playing some damn good hockey and it would be unfortunate to see that at least semi-derailed or uh, potentially derailed due to a, an injury to their star player. Okay, well, the other uh, component of that game, that that was an interesting game for many reasons. Now, the good news is the Minnesota Wild, um, barring something totally unforeseen, they'll make the playoffs, even if Kaprizov's out for a period of time. They've got enough of a cushion on ninth-place Calgary. But Winnipeg does not any longer, Kenny, as uh, Winnipeg loses again. The Winnipeg Jets, if you need them, are 2-7-2 in the last 11 games. The, the Jets are 7-12-2 in their last 21 games. So for over over the last 21 games, because I just went back and I looked at their their uh, their game log, right? I said, when did the dip start? I kind of look, it looks like around there. 7-12-2 in their last 21. So quarter of the season. That's over that time frame, 28th in the league. But this is where you're kicking yourself if you're Calgary. Calgary's only four points better during the same stretch. 
and Calgary's won their last two games to get those four points. But it it seemed right for the longest time, it's like, you know what? I think it's set in the West. I, I think we know the eight teams. I think that's the way it's going to go. And not so Winnipeg, much. Winnipeg just keeps. Have they hit rock bottom yet? Nope. Not yet. Only four points up on Calgary. They're even in games played. And hey, hey listen, and Nashville sold off at yeah. the deadline. And they, look at the games in hand they have. They, they've they only played 61 games, and Winnipeg's played 65, and they're only six back. And six wins in the last 10 games for Nashville. I wouldn't write them off. They've got the no. goaltending. They've, they've, yeah, they sold off. But if they believe in their group and you play loose and, and free and fast, you never know what could happen. And the Flames have not been setting the world on fire over the course of the season. They've been up and down and, for the most part, down. And I think you can look to goaltending for a lot of that. And then Winnipeg just off a cliff. I I, I do remember – I haven't watched a whole lot of Jets games, but I remember you saying this could be – Yeah. This could be a, a cup contender. And to be to – I be, said that. Yeah. But yeah, to be playing – A long time ago. <laughs> but to be playing <laughs> at the clip that they are or have – and to being the, the 28th best team in the league, and, and there's some pretty bad teams in the league over that the, the last 21 games, and to still be in a playoff position shows how good they were at the beginning of the year. And it, it, I would not be surprised at this point to write a ship that's been leaking oil as long as they have. That would be a tremendous turnaround to be able to get back to the the hockey that they were playing earlier, it wouldn't shock me to see them miss the playoffs. Yeah, they. Uh, I said that, Kenny. They came to Ottawa, and they beat the Sens 5-1 to one on January the 21st. And it was just the way they won. You know, big, skilled. They've got a great goalie. It's just like they had it going on. And it was right around then where the the dip started. They won their next game against the Flyers. Then it really started to go sour, and it's really gone in the, in the wrong direction the last 11 games or so with the Winnipeg Jets. Like, what the heck has happened to the Jets? I saw TSN ask that question on their website yesterday. had a story on it. What What is going on with the Jets? What's happened to the Jets? They just look like a totally different group. Jekyll and Hyde. Another question for you, Kenny, here. Oh, okay. We'll take a break. Josh. Oh, no. It's a, another random question for Zenny. With your kaleidoscope array of suits, can you could you attend a funeral, and the next time I drive through Savannah, would you like a Savannah banana lid? So two, two-parter. Do you want a Savannah banana lid? Yes. Because Josh says he'll be driving through Savannah, I guess, at some point. Yes, I and, would. And with your kaleidoscope array of suits, do you have one that you could actually wear to a funeral, he says. And that's kind of morbid, but okay, Josh, sure. Well, what type of funeral? Are we celebrating life? <laughs> Is it a celebration of life, Josh? Because, yeah, I could I could wear a suit yep. for a celebration of life. I also have, uh, from the, the site that I order all my suits off of, they have just a, a traditional black suit. So, yeah, I could attend a funeral and... Uh, no issues there, Josh. Thank you for that. And yes, I would absolutely love a Savannah Bananas lid. And I, in fact, yes, Josh, I will take it. Now stop listening. Good. Uh, 
I'm I'm planning on going down to Savannah this summer at some point. Oh. My cousin is getting married down there or has already been married but got married during COVID, so they're having a party to celebrate and it's uh, down good. in Georgia. Yeah. So we're okay. we're going to be heading down and I think the plan is they're getting everybody tickets to uh, Bananas game. And I'm oh, very nice. much looking forward to that. I'm hoping that the timing works out uh, because they've they've attended a number of them and they just have an absolute blast. And and as you can tell by watching some of the highlights and the clips, it's it's fast, it's entertaining, and they keep everybody engaged. And I I'm pretty sure that everything is free. Once you buy a ticket, you get all your food and, and beer for free. It's uh it's an incredible place to to watch a, a different type of baseball game. I just got a text from our good friend Bunda. Have you seen this? I have not seen this. I don't know what you're referring to. Um, Bunda's mom was down there, Bonnie, oh. and got him a a banana shirt. It's a cotton button shirt, and he's uh, he's modeling it for me on a text he just sent me, Kenny. Oh, very nice. So you've, in the fashion that only Steve Bunda can model things. Thank you. Thank you, Buns. I'm assuming it's only that piece of clothing then. No, Uh, no. (laughs) thankfully he's got more than that, but it's uh, it's quite the look here. Um, It's a strong look. Good. And as you uh, are getting the text messages from Bunda, we're uh, on Twitter. Our favorite Twitter troll is at it again. Mark Mathot has responded to a Toronto Maple Leafs fan who brought up a tweet that he had from two (laughs) years ago today. Saying that in two to three years, this is Mark Mathot's tweet from two years ago, that in two to three years, the Ottawa Senators will be a better team than the Toronto Maple Leafs. So Mark, uh, the the Toronto Maple Leafs fan, has responded saying, happy two years since this tweet, now to pull up the standings page. And now Mark has had into it. I can see some Leaf fans are desperate for attention today. I'll bite. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't... don't, but don't I technically have until March of next season? And if I'm a Leafs fan, I'm absolutely starting to get nervous. Don't let the standings fool you. Good luck. He's responded to a few other Twitter people. And then four minutes ago... Uh, he's, Ford math he's, is dangerous math. Yeah, he is lighting a match and just tossing it on. <laughs> I wouldn't trade Tim Stutzla for Austin Matthews. <laughs> That's yeah. the tweet. boy. Love it. <laughs> Just All right. he's he's living up to it, and yeah, I think it's a bar, bored Mark Mathot today. Oh, that's it. Bored math is great math, entertaining math. He's got his workout in. He's got nothing else going on. Ah, I'll do this. I'm getting into it today. We'll take a break. Game day for us. We got the Sens and Kraken from Seattle. Eight o'clock pregame. Ten o'clock faceoff on TSN 1200. This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. All right, 11.30. Coming up on our next segment, James Boyd's going to join us, general manager of the Ottawa 67, so always look forward to that conversation. Get a chance to speak to Dave Cameron weekly. Like, nice to uh, talk to James. We'll do that coming up in about 10 minutes from now or so. Um, something we, we were tracking throughout the week here, and the story continues to get more legs, as we like to say, Kenny. 
But um, certainly feels that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet now, doesn't it? With uh, the information that continues to come out, the Jets, according to ESPN, are becoming more confident in their chances of landing Rodgers. Diana Rossini reporting this. Um, This optimism follows uh, their meeting this week as the brass flew out to California, including owner Woody Johnson and general manager Joe Douglas and coach Robert Salek, new offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, like everybody went, Kenny, to go meet in person with Rodgers. It certainly feels like it's heading that way, but with Aaron Rodgers, as we've said and uh, looked at in the past, only Aaron Rodgers knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, and and he may, or the Jets may feel that they're close. Aaron Rodgers may not feel that he's very close to the Jets. Uh, I I still have a hard time believing anything that comes out about Aaron Rodgers, and, and like Graham Creech yesterday, and I think you said the same thing, Lloydie, just a little Aaron Rodgers out. Aaron Rodgers out. I, I just I'm I'm sick of it. I I I want to stop hearing about Aaron Rodgers and and I understand that people people do want that. So it's uh it makes life a little more difficult. And and I think we lost Steve Lloyd. And I think I'm gonna take a chance here. I'm hoping that this is you, Lloydie. Yes, on the it telephone. Is. Okay, good. Uh, we lost you apparently, and, okay. and now you're back on the telephone. So that's always fun. That's okay. Uh, yeah, uh, a sudden power outage isn't that fun? Okay, all good. Where was I? <laughs> so uh, the 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 we'll get this rectified, folks. The uh, the New York Jets uh, feeling even better about getting Aaron Rodgers after everybody uh, went to California to meet with Rodgers. So according to ESPN, this is basically now in the hands of you know the Packers and the Jets to facilitate the move here and, and get it done. So it's if you're going this far down the road and the reports are getting to this level, Kenny, certainly feels like Rodgers is going to be a Jet, and certainly does that as, as a Bills fan. I'm actually wearing my Bills shirt, Kenny. Uh, certainly spices up that division. It really does. But as I was saying, Lloydie, as, as you dropped off with your power outage, I, I don't believe anything about Aaron Rodgers until it, it's done. Because as Aaron Rodgers said, only Aaron Rodgers knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. So unless it uh, it, it may be in the hands of the, the Jets and the Packers at this point, I'm just I'm trying to tune out everything out of Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. He could still be a good quarterback or he could be on the downhill. I don't know. I once he gets on the field, we'll we'll see where that all all ends up. I'm just like you and Graham discussed yesterday, I am all out of you know what's to give about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know I, I'm in the same boat as well. And, you know, his comments coming when he, he emerged from, what did he call it, his week of darkness? Or yeah, something that, along those lines. That retreat and... Darkness retreat. You know, yeah, it was... In, in, anyways, now to each your own, right? That's, but the, the, the way he was discussing that, I, I only care from a standpoint, because I know, I know he's a domino. He's part of, because no matter what you think of Aaron Rodgers, um, this is a future Hall of Fame quarterback, and his future is up in the air where he's going to play football this season. 
right? We all know that these are the knowns. So there's, there'd be multiple teams that would be at least interested in bringing in Aaron Rodgers to be an upgrade on what they currently have. So if he lands with the Jets sooner rather than later, then other teams that have their own question marks, I think more decisions get to be made. And this is me speaking selfishly, um, that does a sports talk show every day. I like action. Um, so if he lands with the Jets, then maybe Kenny, we start to see a few of these other things happen, right? And 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 it becomes a little bit more clear where all the pieces are going to fit because, as we always say, there's there's no real off season in the NFL. No, with uh, they always generate news, and you know this is a big part of that. I'm I'm curious as to why, and and maybe collusion is the answer, but why Lamar Jackson is not the number one target for teams and why he isn't the the answer to a lot of teams' quarterbacking problems, maybe even ahead of Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, nearing closer to the end of his career than the beginning, uh, that's for certain, didn't have a great season last year. You can blame that on whatever you'd like, whether it's the receiving core, the, the talent that he has around him in Green Bay. But if I'm an NFL franchise and I'm looking for my quarterback for next year and beyond, how is that answer not Lamar Jackson? Yes, it would cost you two first-round picks, or you could negotiate uh, something else for with the, the, the Baltimore Ravens. But that would be my number one target. And I understand that he plays a much different style than what Aaron Rodgers does, and it doesn't fit everybody's idea of a perfect quarterback. But beyond, beyond that and not wanting to give up the guaranteed money a lot of owners don't, why would it, why would Lamar Jackson not be the number one target? I think he should be the number one target, but I think you kind of touched on the last part of it is is the reason. I think that that's part of the play here by the Ravens. I think the Ravens, of course, that they would want to keep Lamar Jackson. Of course, you do, right? But if he's going to be digging in, and this is the Browns' fault. If you want to lay blame, right? Isn't this the Cleveland Browns' fault? with a contract that they gave to Sean Watson. Yeah. You know, now you've got Lamar Jackson and anybody else that's even, you know, in that kind of a conversation of that level of quarterback at that age, like, well, they're going to, somebody's going to do that for him. Like, I'm better than that guy. I'm more, and, and I don't have that baggage either. that goes along with everything with that. And the Browns gave him the, the most lucrative guaranteed contract we've ever seen. What about me? So basically, the Ravens have said, "Okay, all right, if, if you're digging in on this, we're gonna we're gonna bet that there isn't a team that's like that out there that's gonna do that for you. So you can go have a look. Here you go, go have a peek at that. You can come back to us possibly after you realize that offer's not out there, but they're rolling the dice a bit with that one. So I, I, I can kind of see why, but the thing is, it's." You've got a you got a star superstar quarterback. Prime of his career has already been an MVP. That's uh, that's tough. That's that's tough to move on from that. All right. Anyways, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, James Boyd is going to join the show, general manager of the Ottawa 67s, on in the box on TSN 1200.
This podcast is brought to you by Bodog.net. Don't miss a chance to play at Bodog.net. When the odds are stacked against you, post-game tastes that much sweeter. Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategies, and live sports odds. So, of course, the home of the Ottawa 67s, having a great season, getting into the stretch drive here, gearing up for the playoffs. Talk about that and a whole lot more. We go to the Gabriel Pizza Hotline and welcome in the general manager of the Ottawa 67s, James Boyd. James, good morning. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Well, thanks for joining us here. Um, just just wanted to bring you on, and we, we got a chance to speak to Dave each and every week. But, you know, a, a bit of a, a State of the Union address from the from the general manager here on a team with high expectations, um, just gearing up for the for the postseason. How do you feel about your group here as the regular season starts to wind down? Well, I feel, feel great about the team. I mean, the, all, all season long the team has been – uh, you know, kind of unaffected by any adversity, whether it's injuries or suspensions or anything like that, and just kind of motored along. So our goal here is to keep motoring through the through the end of the regular season and get everybody healthy uh, and back into the lineup. And then uh, Dave and the staff can tinker with the chemistry a little bit to make sure we're firing all cylinders when the playoffs come. But certainly in first place in, uh, in, in the league and, uh, um, you know, at this point in time, you can't ask for more. And speaking of health, there's been a number of uh, bodies out of the lineup, not uh, the least of which Ottawa Senators prospect Tyler Boucher. Uh, we saw the report from J.F. Plant earlier this week. Is there anything that, that you can talk about with uh, in, in regards to Tyler Boucher's injury? Well, I think there's still some assessment going on. I think, uh, uh, you know, he's to see a specialist. I saw a specialist earlier this week. I still need to connect with the Senators and, uh, you know, get the, the final report. But uh, based on... You know, the fact he's had multiple injuries, uh, the fact that uh, he's pretty tender at this point in time, and uh, the injury kind of happened on a, on a, on a, you know, a, what seemed like a, a play, uh, a pretty uh, mild play, let's say. Uh, I'm not optimistic. Uh, um, you know, we hope for the best, but uh, prepare for the worst. How does, um, yeah, that's all you can do at this stage, and we'll have to wait for, for all the news to, to come out on that, James, obviously. But let's, let's assume that Tyler's uh, not available. He, unfortunately, you know, the injury, and he had a couple suspensions, but he plays that hard game. Um, when he was healthy and in your lineup this season, he was taking a step, wasn't he? He was doing everything that you wanted him to do with his, his style of play. So that, this is a pretty big loss. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Tyler's t- the type of player that he is is really tailor made for playoff hockey. You know, the, he's he's rugged. He's at the front of the net. You know, all those cliches that you talk about. Uh, uh, you know, that, that translate well into a, a seven game playoff series. He has all of that. So, yeah, he was starting to. Uh, uh, you know, there's been stops and starts here in his career, um, and uh, I thought he had a great World Junior. Um, you know, unfortunately, was injured at that tournament, and then. Uh, uh, he's been, you know, in the 21 games he's played for us, he's been a, he's been a very effective player. So I know those types of players now, uh, you, you know, that play like Tyler, big guys who play like big guys, and uh, that robust game, they're really, really hard to find. And you know what? There's not many of them around our league. Uh, there's not many of them, uh, um, you know, in the minor pros. So uh, I think the key for Tyler is he's whatever the the prognosis is here, he's got to he's got to focus on getting healthy, and he's going to be uh, an excellent pro player. Kind of a, a bigger question here and, and bigger than, than what we saw with Tyler Boucher, but we've seen what seems like more shoulder injuries as of late, and, and with the Ottawa Senators specifically, Josh Norris, 
Uh, you can go back to Colin White and, and so on and so forth. Uh, do you have, uh, I know you're not a doctor, James, but do you have a reason why there may be potentially more shoulder injuries at this point in time than we've seen in the past? No, I'll even, I'll even say, uh, Kenny, I have no medical knowledge. Let's put it, you know, I'm uh, that far removed. Yet. But the fact is, these things sometimes go in, 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 uh, in cycles, you know. Uh, a few years ago, the main concern was the groin injuries and the uh, injuries in the upper abdomen. And that seems now, you know, there's, there's been less of that. And it seems now that, in the, I guess, in the Ottawa region, the focus is on shoulders. But I, I, think, I think it's just a little bit of luck and, and the fact that this, this stuff is kind of cyclical and you notice it when it, uh, you know, becomes a factor. But I'm not sure that there's more, uh, um, you know, more shoulder injuries than uh, uh, if you look at all the other teams in the league uh, or around junior hockey here. I'm not sure that it's uh, it's not an anomaly, you know, anomaly. 67th general manager James Boyd's joining us. Okay, so we, we've got uh, a, a settling in period and then some since the trade deadline, and you made some big acquisitions then. Um, now, I know Logan Morrison's missed a little bit of time recently. doesn't sound like it's too serious, though. Uh, him and Michnikov, um have both of them um, been exactly what you were expecting to get when you made those big deals? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, the, the, Lo- Morrison, you know, he's been scoring at a tremendous clip since the time he joined our team, which is just a continuation of what he's been doing over the last two years. Um, you know, he's, he's very down to earth personality. He's, uh, obviously an experienced player in the league, but he's just fit in with our team seamlessly. And then Minchikov similar where, uh, you know, he's really kind of morphed into our style of play. He was more of a, a run and gun player when he was playing in Saginaw. Um, and then, you know, he kind of arrived here and I think took a look around and said, all right, this is the way that these guys play. And he's, uh, I don't want to say sacrificed a bit of offense because he's still got 78 points here, um, you know, in 61 games, but uh, he's definitely playing our style, which has been really effective. So both those players have, you know what, they've entered the lineup. It's like they've been here forever. Uh, I think their team after the trade deadline took a little bit of time to get adjusted just with the chemistry, different chemistry with the team. But that was also compounded by the fact that Morrison was out of the lineup, um, you know, with a, with a minor injury for a stretch of time. So, now that we're, you know, Morrison will be back in the lineup, I believe, this weekend, um, and we'll get start to build that chemistry back. But again, it's time for Dave to tinker with the lineups and the coaches to f- kind of fine-tune things to get ready for that first round of playoffs. Uh, in regards to Mintyukov, the, the first couple games that he played here with the 67s, I thought that he was playing the old Saginaw Spirit style, up the ice, got caught a number of times, and he has since adjusted and become a premier shutdown defenseman as well as the offensive side of things. Did you know that he had that in his game prior to acquiring him? Oh, yeah. For, you know, Pavel at one point in time, you know, was one of the, the premier players in the CHL import draft. And so he played the under-18 with the Russian team. Uh, he played under-17. So, um, you know, he he wasn't a, he was more of a shutdown-type defender, uh, you know, at that time. And... I'm imagining that's probably the way that his coaches wanted him to play. Uh, but then when he exploded offensively, uh, you know, when he entered the Ontario Hockey League, he showed that different dynamic. But I think if the NHL scouts that we pulled, uh, you know, which includes Anaheim who drafted him, but also other teams uh, who had interest in him and were willing to share their thoughts, he uh, he definitely had the ability to, uh, uh, you know, to play strong defense. And when they when, and truth be told, in, in Saginaw, when the games were tight, he was he was excellent on the on the defensive side of the puck. So, um, you know, he's going to be a valuable player in the playoffs because of that uh, ability to defend, but also 
uh, the ability to open the game up when uh, when it's required. So those are some of the veteran players uh, leading the way for you. But, you know, the, the strength of any junior team you know, that has aspirations, usually they have a handful of uh, young players, like uh, the, the, the underage players, like not NHL drafted eligible players yet here. And you've got quite a few of those here, and they've been really good contributors for your group and seem to be getting better and better as the season wears on. Can you speak to some of these guys and, and how important it has been to the team's success to see their development? Yeah, then that that's really you know I think that it's uh, it's a surprise to a lot of people that our team was able to score um, you know the rate that we were scoring here in, in during the season. And at one point in time in December, I don't think we had a player in the top twenty of scoring, but we had eight in the top one hundred. Uh, and so when you got your second year players or your seventeen year old players, you draft eligible. So a player like Luca Pinelli's got twenty goals. Um, you know we got a player like Brad Gardner's got eighteen goals. Cooper Foster's got eighteen goals. Uh, you know, our, our first round pick in 2022, uh, one of them, Henry Muse, got 11 goals from the back end. Um, you know, when you start to add it all up, uh, it, it's a lot of goals. And, you know, the fact that we had Jack back out of the lineup with an injury for a prolonged period of time. And we've had, as we mentioned, as you mentioned, Boucher uh, with suspension, uh, with uh, uh, injury. We've had uh, uh, Vincennes Rohr, one of our key players, has been out twice with injury during the season. Uh, you know, you're always wondering uh, where's the scoring going to come from, but it's that that group of players, the young group of players, that has really, you know, uh, uh, picked up the pace and, and provided the scoring when we needed it most. So, um, Chris Barless is another one. Chris Barless in 51 games, uh, you know, uh, nine goals, and he'll be re- returning to the lineup uh, uh, just around the start of the playoffs. So these are uh, uh, it, it's really offense by committee, but it's those young players that uh, have made an impact. James, we've talked about it on the the 67th broadcast before, but can you take us back to scouting that 2005-born group? Uh, That was during COVID. Nobody played games, really, over the course of that entire hockey season. Can you take us back to your scouting methods and and your entire scouting crew and how were you able to uh, be so successful in that draft when many weren't? Well, unique year, of course. There was there was not much hockey being played around the province, uh, especially in the first half of the year. But then things started to pick up a little bit in the second half. But no, no organized, not much organized hockey at all. So uh, this is a credit to Jan Eggert, of course, the mastermind uh, uh, of our scouting staff and our assistant general manager. Um, but also, you know, with our scouting staff as a group, who uh, you know really uh, uh, took it upon themselves to, to watch as much video and to get out and watch games whenever they could. And keep in mind, this might be on a Tuesday, you know, at 11 in the morning, we find out that there's a scrimmage going on, uh, you know, somewhere around Stony Creek, Ontario, and people are going to be allowed into the building. And so our scouts jump in their cars and they head there and hopefully grab a glimpse of some of these guys. So uh, they really put in the work and, uh, and it was a difficult year, uh, but you could tell uh, how vested that the scouts and, and Jan were in the process. So they, they were able to unearth, um, uh, you know, obviously some some excellent players. We have some players that from that draft too that aren't on their lineup, aren't in our lineup that are excellent players that uh, you know have a chance to play for us in the future or you know potentially down the road. But it, it was a uh, it was a bizarre year, but uh, our scouts definitely made the best of it. So a lot of credit to them. Yeah, a couple of those players, uh, Ryan and Connor McPherson, are are two players that I've been keeping an eye on. They're they're in the GOJHL playoffs with the Leamington Flyers right now and committed to the NCAA at the University of New Hampshire. Uh, do you still keep in contact with them even through their their uh, commitment? And 
potentially try and bring them onto the Ottawa 67s in the future? Well, I think I, I do see them. I was, in a, I was at a game in London, uh, London Nationals Junior B game uh, against Leamington, and the, the Twins, of course, play in Leamington. I saw them play. They're, they're excellent players. They continue to get better. They, they've got a commitment, to, as you mentioned, to the University of New Hampshire. Uh, I think they're, they're, they're steadfast in their commitment. But, yeah, I still see them. And I say hi to parents in the lobby, and, uh, you know, they know where we are, and they know what we're all about. Uh, uh, but it seems like they're, they're focused on, on that route. If that ever changes, we welcome them with open arms. Um, they're excellent players, but they're, they're again some of those players that we talked about, um, you know, from that draft. Um, you know, that uh, whether they play for us on, in, now or in the future, are very, very good players. Also, when we're looking at that draft, we got Gavin Ewells, who's played in the back end with us this year and uh, shows a lot of promise. He's an excellent player right now. Uh, Bradley Horner, who joined us halfway through the season, uh, he's going to be a key part of our defense uh, uh, crew moving forward. So. It was a really, really deep draft, but again, it's a credit to our scouts. Well, as we're talking draft, um, you, you wear many hats as the general manager here. We're approaching mid-March. You know, how busy are you and the scouts right now as, you know, other seasons uh, are starting to wind down and, and starting to get uh, some final looks at some guys to think about this uh, this upcoming draft? Well, that's, that's we're out every day. You know, it's, <laughs> it's going to beat the cl- it's beat the clock now. You know, I think there's... <laughs> teams are are eliminated, uh, you know, from their playoffs here. Uh, the team was eliminated last night in the GTHL. Is the last chance to see them. So we're out every night trying to get last looks at players, and our scouts are comfortable with the list that they've they've compiled. But they, you can never, you know, see too much. So we've been out watching all those players traveling around the province, and uh, and that's going to continue for the next bunch of weeks. So as much as it'll be fun to be around the 67s here while the team's doing well and the excitement of the playoffs. Uh, our scouting staff is focused on uh, way down the road, uh, you know, as they watch this next group of players. And the draft's coming up quick. The draft's going to, you know, the, the end of April during the second round of the OHL playoffs. So you got to be organized. And uh, when it comes to, you know, we want to meet with the players, interview the players, interview the coaches, and, and do all that background work. And then, you know, the, talk to the agents and, and, and put on a recruiting hat in some of those cases. It's, uh, it's a busy, busy time. I'm sure we'll we'll speak again before the OHL priority selection. But uh, what is the depth of this draft, and and in particular the Ottawa area? It's a good draft. It's uh, uh, you know I think it's, it's, there's a lot of play. There's a lot of players with uh, with a lot of upside, um, and you know every team sees it differently. But the interesting part of this year is that there's some Ottawa players that are playing outside of the region. So whether in the GTHL or in the United States or uh, you know around the uh, OMHA that. Uh, um, you know, players with a keen interest in the 67s who aren't immediately in the region. But you've got the HEO playoffs that are happening right now. Uh, and then there's some games on Saturday that are going to be taking place. So there's some excellent players in the league here too. Um, but uh, the draft uh, overall, it's a uh, it's quality draft. I think that uh, team, like any other draft teams that really do their homework and uh, put the time in, they're going to do really well. And playoffs three, four weeks away. I, I, I lose track. It's eight games away in the regular season. Uh, before the playoffs start, what's your excitement level? I know you always want to open up at home and and have that opportunity to play at the arena at TD Place. But are you excited to see the what the team can do at the Slush Puppy Center and uh, potentially uh, take a look at a new rink that could impact something that uh, Oseg would do down the road? Uh, yeah, so I think it's going to be an, it's going to be uh, an interesting experience. I know that uh, I've been over there a bunch of times this year to watch games and what a facility it is. Um, so yeah, it'd be exciting playing games there. I might even head over tonight to check out some of the game, uh, uh, you know, and do some, uh, 
uh, it was kind of a facility tour uh, to help get ahead of things a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see those new buildings, uh, you know, what possibly might be happening uh, here in the future. But we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We want to focus on that first round and, um, and, and make sure that we're uh, firing on all cylinders, like I mentioned. But the, the most exciting part over the next couple of weeks is watch our team finish the regular season. And like I said, see that those line combinations and defense pairings and how things are going to start to shape up. But this team's been a lot of fun to be around all year. They're extremely hardworking group. Uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're uh, respectful. They, they're fun to be around. And uh, really, as we mentioned, uh, uh, you know, that, that scoring by committee, but it's really a team concept. You know what? Our specialty teams have been excellent all year long. Our goaltending has been excellent all year long. Uh, and, and players get playing in different positions, playing in different roles. That's really a credit to the players that uh, they've bought into that team concept and support each other. So it's going to be exciting for us for them to finish the regular season, and then exciting to, to you know move into the playoffs against a quality opponent. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun just to track as as fans and media as well. Strong team and uh, a real possibility to play deep into May. Wouldn't that be a lot of fun, James? Always appreciate the visit here on the show. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks very much, guys. There's a uh, James Boyd. Joining us on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline, the official pizza of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, so there you go. Um, of course, we had to ask him about Tyler Boucher, but it, it's in the Sens' hands now. But you could tell, like, it's it, it, it's what it looks like, Kenny, unfortunately. Um, Tyler Boucher uh, is not going to be playing for the, uh, the 67s, and hopefully he can uh, have a good recovery and uh, be good to go to start his pro career. Uh, in the meantime, though, um, 67s, they'll miss him. You're not going to replace that type of player, but... Um, still, uh, with high expectations, they should have that, have those expe- expectations with the strong season that they've had. And they will get a little bit healthier with some of the other guys uh, with minor injuries uh, coming back in the lineup in the near future. Yeah, All referencing right. uh, Chris Barless potentially returning before the start of the playoffs, that would be massive. Logan Morrison maybe this weekend, and I, I think t- Thomas Sermon could be sooner rather than later as well. So those are the the injured bodies, and yeah, it would be nice to to get them back. And you're right, you will not replace a Tyler Boucher. The good news is, from a 67's perspective, they've played the majority of the year without him. So they're aware of how to play without him, and it would have been a nice addition to get him in, but it's not. It, it, it's tough to lose him, but I don't think it's devastating to the roster to have somebody, to lose somebody who had been there all season long. All right. We've added another guest to the show. Dean Brown was always going to join us. And ahead of that, head coach of the Ottawa Senators, DJ Smith, is going to join us here. Coming up at around 20 to 1 or so. So stick around on In the Box at TSN 1200.